Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Rivers of Living Water is here to turn our thirsty world into a Garden of Eden, freely pouring out the Word of God to our desolate world. Now, here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Thanks for joining with us this morning. It's, we're going to be talking about the marks of a true Christian. It seems like everyone wants to be called a Christian, but just because we call ourselves Christians, that doesn't make us one. There are certain things that we have that are Christian and certain things that we have that are not Christian. The Christian stands on a sure foundation. That foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. The lines are clearly drawn. There are things that Christians do and things that Christians don't do. The path is well defined. The Lord has put in his word, the Bible, what a Christian is to do and what they're not supposed to do. We're, the Christian's spiritual and moral values are based on absolute truths that you can find in God's holy word, the Bible. The Christian is Christ-like. He's an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And as such, he is like Jesus. If you want to know what a Christian is supposed to be like, read the first four books called the Gospels of the New Testament and find out what Jesus was like, and then you can find out what the Christian is like. Because we do, we are an heir, and as an heir, we inherit Jesus' nature and his ways. The Christian is a new creation. He's a born-again child of God. He's spirit-filled. Think about this for a while. When a person is born in this world, the first thing we do to that person, whether it be a, a boy or a girl, we clean them up. So after a person is born again, the Lord cleans us up. He makes us a new creation. We we have a new nature. We're not what we used to be. So we have a cleansing, cleansing of the old nature and filled with the new nature. And from that time on, a Christian is not the same as he used to be. Even if he's a good moral person, which I was when I became a Christian 57 years ago, I still realized that I needed more than that. And the Lord one morning in a church service called me out of darkness, my darkness of sin, into his wonderful light. That's what he does for everyone that's a Christian. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then a Christian has a personal, loving relationship with the Lord. God is not somewhere out there and we don't know him. 
we can know God through the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. We can know Him in a personal, loving way. And so that's uh, some of the things that we are thinking about when we're thinking about a Christian. A Christian is these things. And uh, later on in the program, I'm going to go through 12 different relationships that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ when we are a Christian. And so we'll be doing that in our next segment. But I want uh, right at this present time to show us the difference between one that is a Christian and one that isn't. And so if we can think about this for a while, that just exactly what is a Christian anyway? I'll tell you one thing, that if we are living like the devil and we're, we're mistreating people, misabusing people, and, and we're living a lifestyle that, that uh, is anything except what the Christian would be, what I would have just described to you, I can tell you on the authority of God's word that that person is not a Christian, regardless of what they might tell you. Some people think that because they live in America, that they're a Christian because America is a Christian country. It used to be, but I would uh, debate with the idea that it really is a Christian country today. It has some Christian things, but being a Christian, like I said, is being a born-again person. And just because you live in America or some other good country that that has Christian principles, I think about Uganda and in Africa, and we had the privilege of being at Uganda for six years to help set up a Christian uh, workshop. And but if just because you're a citizen of Uganda, which at the presence having a a real moving of God over there, that doesn't make you a Christian. A Christian is one who personally changes his way, repents of his sins, that is, turns away from his sin, and turns to the Savior and lets him be the Lord of his life. A person that is living a lifestyle like they're parting it up, for example, I think you know what I mean by that, that person would not be a Christian. A Christian is one that has high moral standards. We've separated ourselves from the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we're loving people. People love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They love their neighbor as their self. They won't be one thing in one place and something else in another place. They'll be the same regardless of where you see them. They won't take the attitude that when you're in Rome, you do what the Romans do. But they have standards that regardless of where they're at or what they're doing, they're the same because they serve the God that is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, 
eternity, today, and forever. Therefore, the Christian is not going to be one thing, one place, and something else somewhere else. In other words, when a person's in church, he's one way. When he's out associating with other people, he's another way. That is not a Christian. A Christian, whether you see him in church or outside of church, whether you see him in a bad situation or a good situation, he's the same. That's the way you can tell a Christian. A Christian will not be hateful spirited. A Christian will be loving and kind. He hates sin, but he loves the Savior. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> we realize that God wants each one of us to be Christians. If you're not a Christian today, on the terms that I'm telling you about, I want you to know that, that God loves you. He has provided a a way that you can be a Christian. And being a Christian is, is a wonderful experience. As you're walking with the Lord, you have this fellowship with God. You have your the fellowship with other Christians. You have a, a love there uh, that's willing to go the second mile, turn the second cheek, and just stand in there and, and be loving and kind. You know, sometimes the Christian does have tough love. And so the Christian might tell you, if you don't get right with God, you're going to go to a terrible place called hell. But that's not being hateful to you. That's just warning you and helping you to realize that if you don't turn to God, that there's only one place. And, you know, if we raise enough hell here in, on the earth, then we're going to have some later on, a lot of it, forever. But it's not necessary. Everyone can be a Christian. God doesn't have just a select few. You don't have to belong to a particular church. You don't have to to uh, act a certain way that a particular church would have you to act. Being a Christian is a simple way because, like I told you, it's all drawn out for you. And all you have to do is follow it. All you have to do is do it. And so uh, God has provided a way that we can all love him, we can serve him, we can obey him. We don't have to to have one foot in heaven and one foot in the other place. We can walk with him daily, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what kind of difficulty you have to run into. Know him in a personal way a Christian does. A Christian is a living testimony in that sense because he shows you. He doesn't only talk about it. He lives it every day in every kind of situation that you can think of. He is right there doing the right thing, not in his own strength, 
but through the power of God that's working in him, he does live that wonderful life with Jesus. We're coming upon a break. And so I'm Howard Eugene Wright, and you're listening to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Now, more Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. Thank you for, thank you for staying with us. And I have, as I promised, 12, a 12 fold relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ when we're a Christian. It may take the rest of the program to give these, but we'll start and, uh, you can find these in my 14 Facets of Jesus True Church. A lot of this would be explained in there, but I'm adding a little bit to what you would find in the book. So the first thing that I want to talk about is that Jesus is our good shepherd, and we are the sheep. So Jesus is our shepherd. He leads us, as the 23rd Psalm tells us, He leads us into still waters. He restores our soul. He protects us. So, so where is the setting in this? It's like a pastor. It's in a pastor. And the shepherd goes out and checks out the pastor to make sure that there's nothing in it that would harm the sheep. The shepherd so he's a provider and he's a protector. The shepherd protects the sheep. He makes sure that nothing happens to them. The Lord is our protector and he's our provider. He takes care of us. He provides for us. Everything that we need to live a Christian life, the Lord gives to us. We're not lacking in anything. So... He's our good shepherd that cares for the sheep. The shepherd goes before the sheep. He doesn't drive the sheep. If you try to drive the sheep, the sheep will get frustrated and they're running a hundred different directions if you have a hundred sheep. So he goes before. Jesus went before us. That's what makes him the good shepherd. He went before us. He cares very much for the sheep. And, you know, when he was talking about the disciples, he said, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. And all of those that believe through them, they're also the sheep. So a sheep is under the protection and under the protection of the good shepherd. A sheep needs leadership. If you don't give a sheep proper Leadership, they don't know what to do. And you have to, a sheep can get dirty and you have to keep cleaning it. Shepherd does that. So that's what 
we're talking about when we're talking about Jesus being our good shepherd and we're being the sheep. The second thing is that Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches. So what's the setting on that one? A garden. And what is the relationship that we have? He gives us life. The life comes from the root and goes up through to the branches. If we're not connected to the root, then the branches will die. So in this setting, it's in like a garden, and there are other trees in the garden, aren't there? A garden wouldn't be much if it just had one, one particular plant. So we're, as a garden, we're with a bunch of other people. And so this is, Jesus gives us life. We have eternal life. We have life with the Son of God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are the branches. The branches is where the fruit is at. So first there has to be the blossom, and then the fruit begins to ripen, and then you have the full-grown fruit. So the the uh, branches, which we are, is the one that produces the fruit. Now, what is the fruit? The fruit is a Christian life, a life that's lived for the Lord. It's God first, others second, and ourself last. So we're, we're there producing fruit. We're there producing those rivers of living water that we're talking about. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, temperament, temperance, uh, self-control, all those fruit of the Spirit that you find in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. We're producing those. And it's not just seasonal. We're doing this all the time. We're different than a regular tree. You know, a regular tree out there that has branches Maybe some fruit comes out in the springtime, some comes out at other times, but we produce fruit all the time, and we produce a lot of fruit. We're, our lives are, <clears throat> excuse me, our lives are abundant in Christ. We have abundant fruit. Next, we're the body of Christ. And Christ is the head. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about spiritual unity. The body is not divided. And so Christ is the head, and he's the head of the church, and we're just members. But the members partake of everything that the head does. The head is the one that's in control, isn't it? The head is the one that sees the various things that needs to be seen. So we, we see here that as the body, we are the members. So we do the walking. We do the, the reaching out. 
And each one of us is a particular member. We're not all an eye. We're not all an ear. We're not all a foot. Each one in the body of Christ has a particular function that it does. A body would not be a body if it was just one particular thing. We're not just all ears. We're not all eyes. But each one of us has our part to fulfill in that body of Christ. The Bible gives us five different things of which some of those are still in action today. He talks about apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. And then he says, for the perfecting of the saints and for the edifying and the building up of the body of Christ. So each one of the members of the body is there to help the fellow members to keep the body in health. we got to have all these things, even though they may seem to be insignificant. And what you're doing in Christ may seem to be not much, but every little bit put together becomes a great amount. So you may not think that you have much of a place, and you might think, well, I wish I could be this person rather than what I am. But the Lord gives us something to do within the body. And so we have two things here. The relationship is, one, mobility. We can move. We work. We have action. We have attitudes. And also unity. The body works together as a unit. One of the things that was distinctive when the church first started, the people said how they love one another. So there's a a thing within the body of Christ that each one of the members are working to help the others, and each one is working in its place to advance God's kingdom. So we have mobility and we have unity. The next thing is that we are lively stones in a building and Jesus is the sure foundation. We can't have much of a building if we don't have a foundation. So Jesus is our is the foundation that we stay upon, which we're built upon. The stones are lively stones. That means that there is life and energy in those stones. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a sanctuary. We're talking about a place that's safe. If you're standing on the solid foundation, Christ Jesus, then you're in a safe place. You're not going to sink. You're not going to fall. The winds may come of adversity and what have you. And you might have setbacks and all these various things that come upon all of us. And yet you are in a sanctuary. You're in a safe place. You're in a safe haven. So our relationship with the Lord, we're in a, it's safety. It's a 
So that's what we have when we have a building that God is building and we are lively stones. That means that there is energy in us. Okay, the, the next thing on our list is that we're faithful followers of Jesus. And Jesus is our big brother in this. So Jesus has taken upon himself to be our brother in the Lord. So I believe we're ready for a break again. So we'll we'll pick up this on the other side of the break. I'm Howard Eugene Wright, and you're listening to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. We're we're talking about what does the Christian really look like, the marks of a true Christian. And we've been talking about the facets, our, our relationships that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've talked to him about us being the sheep and him being the shepherd. We've talked about Jesus being the true vine and us the branches. And Jesus is the head of the body and we are the body. And we're talked about the, the building. Jesus is the sure foundation and we're the living stones. And we've talked about the setting and the relationships of these. And we're on being a faithful follower of Jesus and Jesus being our eternal friend of him being the one that gives us friendship and he gives us counsel. So as we're thinking about Jesus in this way, as our the, us being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and him being our friend, Jesus is not there to condemn us all the time. Jesus said he didn't come to de- to condemn but he came to save. He came to save that which was lost. And so Jesus, as our friend, is also our counselor. But he's not a vindictive type person. He leads us in the way that we need to go. He shows us things that we need to see in order to live the kind of life that we're supposed to be living as Christians. So we we see this as as Jesus being our friend, and we have friendship. The Bible tells us if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one of another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And that word cleanses us from all sin is a continual thing, moment by moment. With the Holy Spirit in our lives, the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. 
So we have that. And then we were talking about being a chosen generation, and Jesus is our big brother, and so we're, we're looking at a family. We're looking at being a part of a family. Of, and it's wonderful to be a fam, part of the family of God. So a family, you know, is there's that love within the family that keeps it together. And we also, within the family, we have uh, praying. We, the family that prays together say, stays together is what we've been told in the past and what is as true today as it's ever been. So we have the family we have friendship, and we have a counselor. And, and he's a wonderful counselor. We can go to him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, any time, day or night, and ask him what we need to do in a certain situation. And he will counsel us and help us to do that. Now we're, uh, we're talking about being a chosen generation. And... Jesus is our big brother. So a chosen generation. We are, as Christians, we're not of this world. We're not part of the world's system. We, we're in the world. We know what's going on. We're not out there spaced out. We, we have to live just like everyone else does in this world or Finances may go up, it may go down, our health may be in good shape or may be in bad shape. We have all the different problems and situations that anyone else would have, but we have something within us. We have become a new creation and we're in an, another, we're a chosen generation. Jesus is the second Adam. The first Adam failed. He took of the fruit that God told him not to. But the second Adam, which is the Lord Jesus, he didn't fail. When he was in the Garden of Eden, I mean, when he was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the Garden of Eden was where Adam and Eve were at. And they failed. The perfect garden, but they fell anyway. But Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which was anything except perfect. And he did not fail. Every time the, um, the devil came at him and started tempting him, Jesus confronted him with the Scriptures. And Jesus came out victorious in those temptations. Those temptations were similar to what Adam and Eve had, but Jesus stayed true. Jesus is gathering another generation, another group of people, and so we're not of this world, even as Jesus is not of this world. So we're a peculiar people. Some people think we're kind of strange. We don't run the places they run. We don't talk the way they talk. We don't act the way they act. We're we, there's things that we really love to do and they don't have much time for them and things like that. So we're kind of peculiar. That doesn't mean we're strange. 
It just means we're different. So we're, we're a peculiar people. We have a eternal habitation. We have a place called heaven. So where's the setting on this one? Heaven. And do we have to wait until we go to heaven to have heaven? No, we can have a little heaven down here as well. We can have a peace that Jesus gives. We can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We can have a foretaste, a little bit of heaven right here as we walk with the Lord. So there's love, joy, and peace in this relationship. And we can definitely have that in this life as well as the next. So we're a peculiar people. We have an eternal habitation. So along with this generation, doesn't it? And then we, we are, it's like a marriage, the relationship that we have with the Lord. He's the bridegroom and we're the bride. So what do we have here? We have a marriage, don't we? So we have intimacy. We have a close personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Now some people say, well, how can that be? Jesus died about 2,000 years ago, or pretty close to that. How can we have a personal relationship with one who is dead? Well, the truth of the matter is Jesus is not dead. Jesus rose from the grave, and he's very much alive today. So, and this is not just an illusion. This is the real thing. So we have, in this setting, we have new life. A marriage brings forth children, doesn't it? So we have new life in Christ Jesus. Now, the next thing we want to think about is a priesthood. And so we're looking at service. We're looking at a ministry. So every Christian has some kind of ministry, some kind of service that we do. So we have a, a royal priesthood, and Jesus is the high priest. So we, we see in this that we have a service with Jesus. Jesus is in control of this, and we are doing our particular part. Like I said before, it may not seem like much, but if you're doing what God wants you to do, if you're doing the service that he wants you to, then you're doing just fine. This is spiritual service. It's taking care of our own needs and helping others in their spiritual need as well. Some people are called into different ministry things. I was called into the pastor, pastorate, and I pastored for about 36 years before I retired. But some of us are called maybe to be a good parent, maybe to be on the city council, maybe to be a good representative for the country. You see, there's a number of things 
that we can do service for and we can think of ourselves as a priest, as bringing sacrifices and bringing gifts. And now each one of us can do this. We don't have to have a particular group of people that does this for us and the rest of us, we just kind of sit around and enjoy it. All of us have a place in this priesthood, in this royal priesthood, in doing service for God, doing service for others, in bringing sacrifice, of being willing to sacrifice our ways for God's ways, and this kind of a thing. I think we're coming upon the break again, and so this is Howard Eugene Wright, and you're listening to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Let's get back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Thank you for staying with us all of this time. I trust that what we're saying to you will be a great help to you, that you will be able to, when someone comes up and tells you that they're a Christian, that you'll know whether they really are or not by their actions and by their attitudes and and things like this. So we're talking about the marks of a true Christian. I think that you realize just how important it is in this day and age that we know who really is a Christian and who isn't because we have so many people who are calling themselves Christians that is making it pretty rough on the ones that really are Christians because they're giving the Christianity idea a very bad black mark. But a real Christian is one that you can trust, that they're going to be with you regardless of what the situation might be. Others may leave you, but the Christian will be right there holding your hand, helping you through any problem you have, or if you don't have problems, they'll be right there with you as well. So you can depend on a Christian to be Christ-like, to, to be exhibiting that kind of a attitude that, that everyone is interested in being, and they're not going to be one thing one day and something else the next day, or one thing in some setting and something else another setting. You see, the reason why they're not going to be that is because what they do comes from the inside out. It comes from within them. It's their very nature. It's just like a duck running to water or a pig running to a wallowing trough. You know, it's, it's within their nature to do that. They don't have to force themselves into it. They don't have to think about it. They just automatically do it. Before we become a Christian, our nature is to be sinners, is to act like the devil. Maybe we're good sinners, if, you know, but we're still outside of Christ. And, and, but when we become a Christian, then it's within 
the inside has been changed. And you can't change the inside without seeing it on the outside because the Lord said, out of the abundance of the heart, the person speaks. So if we have this inside of us, it's going to come out. You can't hold it down. You can't hold it back, regardless of how hard you try. But if it's not in you, everything else is going to be coming out, regardless of how hard you try. So we've been talking about the 14-fold relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that Christians have. And we were talking about a peculiar people. And then we were talking about the marriage and then the priesthood that we have, which is service, is spiritual service. It's a ministry that each one of us has. So we all have a particular ministry. That ministry may be just being a good father in the home. It may be just being a good citizen in your community. That, you know, some of us have some gifts and some of us have another gift. Some of us might have a gift of, of being a comforter to people. Some of us might have a, a gift of, of uh, giving. And all of these different gifts the Lord gives us is within this priesthood of believers. And Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is sitting at the right-hand side of the Father, interceding for us. The other priests, they always stood to do what they were doing. As you go and look in the Old Testament, and you look at the priest in the book of Leviticus, you always see them standing because it wasn't quite completed. When you see a person sitting, that means the work is done. All he has to do is sit there and do it. The Old Testament priesthood was always having to stand because it wasn't completed. Those sacrifices back there could not do something for your spiritual life. It was just kind of a thing that you had until the other one came in. And it was just as effective back there. People that followed that, they had a relationship with the Lord and things like that, but not the kind that we have as Christian. They went through all these rituals, and if they messed up any way at all, that was the end of them. We hear that they would tie a rope around the priest, the high priest that went in once a year into the Holy of Holies, and he had bells on the bottom of his of his uh, clothes, and as long as they could hear the bells, they knew that he was still alive. But if the bells quit, they knew he was dead, and they couldn't go in there and pull him out, so they took the rope and pulled him out. And that's the way it was in the Old Testament. But the New Testament is different. The priesthood is not just for a select few. Everyone that is a Christian is a priest. So we talk about the priesthood of the believers. So then we also have that we are a holy nation. The Christians are a holy nation 
And Jesus is our king. He's the king of the nation. This has to do with politics. It also has to do with law and order. So many times we hear this, that Christians should not get involved in politics. Politics is actually, when it's done like it should be, it's the second commandment. It's loving your neighbor as yourself. The first commandment is loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second one is loving your neighbor as yourself. In its real meaning is the second commandment of loving others, loving your neighbor. And, you know, one guy said, well, who is my neighbor? Your neighbor could be across on the other side of the ocean. Your neighbor today, especially with the kind of communication and everything we have, is everyone. But it's also the person next door to you. So we have the king. Jesus is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And we are a holy nation. There's a difference between just being a nation and being a holy nation. A holy nation is a nation that practices holiness. So Christians are a holy people, and we're a holy nation. It's interesting that regardless of where you go, and you're a Christian, you can spot a Christian in a moment. Let's go to our next one. The Christian is in an army. We are foot soldiers for Jesus, and Jesus is the commanding officer. So we have spiritual warfare. And as you've heard, one of my books is talking about spiritual warfare. Now, if Jesus is the commanding officer, he's the one that plans the logistics and things like that. We don't have to plan on just how we're going to move and work. And I want you also to know that Christians don't go around shooting people. We don't go around cutting up people. We, Our weapons are not carnal, but they're spiritual. Our weapons are such things as prayer, of witnessing for Jesus, of telling people what God's done for us and what he can do for them. And we do this through the power of God's Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian, you know what I'm talking about, but this might seem strange if you're not. But we have a battle. The battle is raging today. We have a a terrible battle that's going on. And so we need to think about this. And then the last thing on the list is we're loving slaves for Jesus. Jesus is our loving, caring master. This means that we're talking about stewardship and we have responsibility. Every one of us have responsibilities in God's kingdom. And we need to be taking care of these responsibilities that we have. We can't just go around thinking that, oh, I'm just going to do my thing. No, there are responsibilities you have in the body of Christ. You have responsibilities in your community, in your family. And these responsibilities are your responsibility. They're not someone else's. So you have to be thinking about that 
we do have these responsibilities in Christ that we do have to take care of. And so we need to be good stewards of our time, of our talent, of our treasures. Now, winding this up, look at each one of those of Jesus. Who's in charge? It definitely is not us. And each one of these, Jesus is in charge. He's the good shepherd. He's the true vine. He's the head. He's the foundation. He's the eternal friend, the big brother, the eternal habitation. All of these things we see is Jesus is in charge of this. So when we are walking with the Lord, Jesus is the one that's guiding us, directing us, helping us, comforting us, strengthening us. He's our strong tower. He's our everlasting portion, so on and so forth. I believe we're coming close to the end of our time again. And I trust that what we've been saying to you will be of great help to you, that you will know that there is a way that God has for you. It's a beautiful and wonderful way. And a true Christian will show forth the works of Christ, the love of Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I trust that this has been a real help to you in deciding who a real Christian is. Now, I want you to know that you don't, you can't get your eyes on people. You have to keep your eyes on the Lord because there are so many people who are professing to be Christian that aren't. And you might say, if that's a Christian, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Well, I'll say the same thing. And when I see some of them, if that's a Christian, I sure don't want to have anything to do with it either. But I want you to know that a real Christian is what I've been telling to you about. And they will love you to the end. They'll pray for you where no one else will and everything else. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week. And and uh, if you're not a Christian, then just give your heart to the Lord and ask him to forgive you your sins and let him be your Savior and your Lord and all these things that I've been talking about. And the nice thing about being a Christian, too, is that you get it gets bigger and better as things go along. May the Lord bless you this week. And this is Howard Eugene Wright and. This, you've been listening to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. <laughs>